So here's a question I'd like to offer you. Breathing. Which is more important, the inhaling or the exhaling? Just one answer. I mean, I mean, yeah, we're doing both. We're, I mean, we're inhaling and exhaling, but I want to know which one is more important. For you all listening, we have a mixed. It's actually a ridiculous question, isn't it? I mean, absolutely ridiculous. To breathe in the oxygen is life-giving. You can only hold that so long. But you also have to expel the carbon dioxide. Two acts that are equally essential for the proper functioning for us as human beings to breathe. Inhale and exhale. Yet it's funny when I raise that question, instead of I expected you go like, oh, give me a break. No, you were going to answer it. Okay. <laughs> Some of you all had answers. Like, and we do this all the time, don't we? We try and boil things down and rank them and say this and this and that is more important. But the fact is there are lots of things about life and lots of things around us that there is not an either or. That it's precisely in the union of two different things that come together, inhaling and exhaling, that the optimum is understood, the power for us to live and to breathe and to function. Very much, it's the same kind of thing as I, as I sort of think about what our readings are for Holy Thursday. Which is more important? Jesus, the real presence, or serving like Jesus in the world? Well, this one, this one actually, by virtue of our training and how we were raised, we would immediately go to the question of clearly Jesus is more important. And we have been drilled into the sense that the identity of Jesus in sacrament is the most important thing. That is Jesus. And the second, serving as Jesus in the world, is a secondary condition. Not quite as important. And we have, for centuries, prioritized. I find it interesting tonight, we have two different accounts of the Eucharist that are one from Paul and one from John that are completely different in a lot of respects. Paul, in Corinthians, it's the first account of the Eucharist we have in Scripture. It's the very first account. And it's interesting in Paul that we hear the words of institution, this is my body, this is my blood. But to put it into a fuller context and step back just one verse above that, Paul is actually yelling at and angry with the Corinthians. The whole text right before the institution narrative of the Eucharist is Paul really lambasting the Corinthians. They are filled with all sorts of problems. And he says to them, you are taking the Eucharist unworthily and you are bringing condemnation upon yourself. 
Well, what? It was this grave sin they've been committing and in fact becoming a contradiction to the very experience of Jesus and the Eucharist. Well, they're filled with division. Imagine that. They have elitism and they abuse the poor. They're fighting at you. They have factions and all sorts of things that are ripping apart the body of Christ. And Paul is making this observation, and in your divisions, it's your hatred for one another, your rivalries and your factions, and then you break bread and share the cup. You are bringing condemnation upon yourself. For in your orthopraxis, right action, you are causing sin to exist and a division in the body. And yet, when you come to church, oh, you break bread and say, yes, we remember Jesus, and Jesus is really true to us. And Paul is saying, no, it doesn't work that way. Your orthodoxy, right faith, is wonderful. But your orthopraxis, right action, is horrible. By the time we move to John's Gospel, the community is very familiar with the Eucharist. They know the words of institution. This is my body. This is my blood. And they have, in fact, fleshed it out very nicely. And it's very curious that, Paul, that John's gospel does not have the words of institution. Matthew, Mark, and Luke does, but not John. And it begs the question, why not? Why wouldn't he look at the Last Supper the way the other gospel writers did? Well, he already knew the world knew about the Last Supper in one way. And what he does is to remind the community that has gotten into a practice what the real focus is of who Jesus is. Remember that, one, that beginning, that Jesus knew his hour was coming. He was going to the Father. He was going to be glorified in the relationship with God. And as he understood his oneness with the Father, he then takes off his outer garments and drops to the floor and starts washing their feet. In John's Gospel, Jesus is revealing God and revealing what it means to love one another in the sight of God. He loves his own, and he cares for them. And in the love that he has with the Father, he demonstrates what that looks like. Humble, loving service. Giving ourselves away for the sake of the other. And of course, Peter, understanding the hierarchy of life, reacts. Good old Peter, he's always, he's really good. To, he's, he can be relied on to being the most reactive person I've ever met in the scriptures. And he says, no, don't wash me. It's not right. Parenthesis, you are the Messiah. It's not right for you, Jesus, to be humble. Really. And then Jesus says, really, Peter, if you cannot accept my humility in your life, we can't be company. We can't be together. And, of course, he reacts. He absolutely reacts to that thing and wash everything. And, of course, he still doesn't understand this. And then Jesus in John's Gospel fills it out more. What I have done for you, you must do for one another. That the meaning of the Eucharist 
is the reception of Jesus into our beings so that we might be like Jesus in the world. For the apostles are the witnesses of Jesus. And if they understand the humility and the self-gift that Jesus ultimately becomes for them, they proclaim to the world who Jesus is. And Jesus can only be proclaimed as the loving, humble servant for the world that he is. Paul also tells us in another place that Christ does not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather chooses to empty himself. When you look at Paul and what he's addressing in terms of the chaos of the Corinthians, and you look at John and what he's trying to put front and center again about the Eucharist, you see a wonderful parallel. That like breathing both is important as we inhale the fullness of Jesus who loves us unconditionally, who will die for us, that does not hold back anything from loving us. We are transformed by that. And then we extend ourselves in the same way to the world around us. How we have minimized humble, loving service. And we have minimized it so much that we become unfocused in terms of what Eucharist is. Jesus doesn't want us to stare at him or look at him every once in a while when we come to church. Jesus wants us to be like him in the world. Being fed, we now become instruments of his love for this world. Breathe in, breathe out. The Spirit of God nurtures us, guides us, and loves us forever.